so excited today as we come back in to part three on immeasurably more. Can you say immeasurably more? What I want to say today is life with vision is powerful and life without vision is perishing. With vision, people excel beyond the norm and to do the things that they couldn't otherwise do. And what really takes place in vision in our life, it lifts the lid, it breaks the barrier, it helps us achieve what is otherwise impossible to achieve. The immeasurably more life that that God has for us is a vision-filled life. A vision-filled life, and there's many definitions of vision, but kind of to make it easier is really, if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, they looked at the world that they were living in as they looked at what could be the possibility. It doesn't look that way now, but listen, what are the possibilities as we look forward and as we allow God to use us? And that's what we should be asking as well. Man, what are the possibilities of what God is going to do immeasurably more? Not only in this series, but this is our theme for 2019. So you're going to continue to hear about this topic. And we've been looking at this great chapter verse of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And it says, now him who is able to do immeasurably what? More than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in helping us. I love Ephesians 3.20 in the message version. It says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams, immeasurably more. He is greater, he is higher than your wildest dreams. That's amazing, isn't it, to know that? So I'm going to spend this time talking today about this powerful subject called vision. Not only should we celebrate life with vision, but we need to be scared to do life without vision. Did you hear me? We should be scared to do life without vision in our own lives, scared to death. Life is great with it, it's terrible without it, and we need to know that. Because we have a God that is a visionary God. And we know this as we look in Proverbs 29 18, where there is no vision, people perish. What is he saying? Well, without vision, without divine guidance, without revelation from God, people cast off restraint. People die even while they are living. And I hope to challenge you today to be alive as long as you're living. Are you with me? Be alive as long as you are living. So, The culprit behind most of our issues in our society today, in our families, our homes, in our communities, in our nation, is a lack of divine guidance from our creator. If you believe that, say amen. Because without vision, people live aimlessly, lethargically, and without vision, people lack discipline. It is there for a reason. People eat too much, they drink too much, they don't take care of themselves without vision, People are passive. They are. They play too much Fortnite video games without much vision. Oh, my. I'm, okay, that one, that one really stuck there, didn't it? Gamble too much and talk a lot but do very little with a life without vision. Without God's guidance and God's direction, people criticize other people way too much. Their life is not interesting, so they have to make it interesting by way of someone else's life, so they criticize it so much 
comes from having a lack of vision inside of the criticizer's life. So they have to criticize somebody else. It's a powerful, as powerful as vision is. With vision, it's great, but without it, it's a slow death. So a life void of God's direction and guidance really is a life void of vision perishes. It's a perishing life. And the Bible didn't miss the mark when it was talking about vision. It hit it right on the head. And as it says, it's right on track that vision people that have vision, there's a future in that. People without it, without it, they perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. And they do what they want to do anyways. They go along with the flow. They never stand up. They never live purposeful, on-purpose lives. So today I want to talk to you about developing and maintaining vision, and I'm going to talk to you about the power of vision and how to activate it in your life. And if you'll go with me to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 13 and verse 14, and here we have Abram. He gets divine direction from God. Understand this, that chapter 12 God has given him a promise, and that promise still stands today. That's how you know we have a good God, and he's just, and he's good for his word. He just gave Abram a promise. He also said in chapter 12, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. I'm going to lead you out of this place, and I'm going to take you to a new land. And then chapter 13 and 14 reads like this. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north and south, east and west. Lift up your eyes. I want you to lift up your eyes. Say that with me. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. See, I want you to see the land, all the land that I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Then he says, go. Can you say the word go? Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. And here's what I want to say as we look at this maintaining, developing vision right out of this chapter today of Genesis chapter 13. Number one, lift up your eyes from where you are. Lift up your eyes from where you are. See, vision is always started and stopped by seeing something outside the context of your current reality. It's always start and stop by by seeing something outside the context of your current reality. And the current reality for Abram in Genesis 13, he had been in Egypt. Now he's a nomad from Ur of the Chaldees. Where are you from, Abram? Ur. Wait a minute. Where? Ur. Where's your home? Ur. How many of you would like that? Where are you from? Ur. That's where he was from. What's our home? Ur. That's all he knew. I grew up in where? Ur. He didn't have a big beginning. He didn't have a lot of glamour around him when he started. He was from Ur. What was he doing? He was a nomad. He was living off the land. And nomads basically would move into a fertile area of land and property, and they would eat the fruit, exhaust the land, and then as a nomad, they would move on. They would go to another area and repeat the process. And what he's saying to Abram in this portion here is, I want you to lift up your eyes from where you are. That is a very direct, pinpointed command. I want you to lift up your eyes. From the current context of where you are at today, those of you sitting in this room, where are you? So, so many people, we've been talking about this, only live in the context of their own reality. 
They never lift their eyes to look to the possibilities of what are in front of them and what are ahead. And this is what he's telling Abram. Hey, you can't get locked into Ur because I've got a new territory and a new place for you to go. There's something big happening here, and I want to just kind of break this down really quick. See, Abram was experiencing a revelation, a vision of life that no one else was living around him, a life of actually being able to own land and cultivate land rather than just being a consumer, actually beginning to be a farmer, and not moving anymore but having all kinds of land that he could begin to own. So the reason a lot of people would not invest in land, if you look in that day in Genesis, is they were nomads, and in that day, because you have no rights and you have no privileges as a nomad to own it. So owning land was a huge step toward individuals investing in and cultivating a land to create generational wealth. So if you own a piece of property, a piece of land, a house today, you can thank Abram for this, that he did this and moved forward to possess the land and to own it and to cultivate it. Because God says, hey, I want to bless you generationally from this moment forward. It all started right here. So God's saying, lift up your eyes from where you are. I want you to think differently than anyone else is thinking around you. I want to show you something you've never seen before, something in an area you've never been and done before. I'm going to give you the power to create a future that no one else around you has existed before. And you've got to understand this. My point is this. God wants you, every single one of you, to see something outside the context of your current reality right now. God wants you to have a vision, to have a revelation of something that is different than it is today, at this moment in your life. God wants you to see potential, potential, and opportunity outside of your current living conditions that you are in in this moment. Abram was a man of faith, and we will talk about that in just a moment. But here he probably felt kind of small because here he was living in Ur of the Chaldees and God was speaking something immeasurably more to him. Immeasurably more. God says, I'm about ready to do something that's immeasurably more and I am able to do it. And the reality for other people that you have to understand along the way is you, you may say, well, this maybe wasn't as much divine revelation. We're not sure if it was or not because I don't know the whole backstory. But listen, for the reality for Henry Ford was that everyone traveled by horse and buggy. That was reality. He saw something outside the context of his current reality. And how many of you are just thankful today that we don't have to go around in horse and buggy any longer if we so choose, but we have vehicles, right? Are you thankful for that? You're a little quiet. I mean, you prefer the horse and buggy? Okay, go for it. Not me, right? The reality for Bill Gates and Paul Allen as teenagers, reality was that the only computers were computers that filled up huge rooms, right? Huge closets. To even learn about a computer, they had to get permission at their high school on the West Coast to go and spend time with this gigantic computer. That was their reality. Envision said, wouldn't it be great if every person could own their own computer that was way outside the context of reality, right? Biblically, a man named Nehemiah in the Old Testament had a home city, the city of Jerusalem that was in ruins, and he gets a message that as he is far away from his homeland that, yes, he's doing well, he's got a new job, he's serving the king, but he gets a message that things aren't going well on the home front. Jerusalem was an economic strife, and the challenges and the problems, and the walls were crumbling down. 
and the enemies are coming, and they are stealing and they are robbing the people, his heart goes out to Jerusalem, then he activated something, and this is kind of the way vision works. Any, most times in our life, that what God has put within us that really bothers us, we hear about something and we say, hey, that's not the way that it should be. God has created a better future for them and those people and that nation or whatever God's put inside of you that it kind of bothers you at first. Amen? You ever realize that? And it kind of inside of you provokes you, I've got to do something about it. Like the New Testament book of Acts that, hey, wait a minute, what are the possibilities? It's not here yet. We're here, but we can see down the road. And God has much better plans for us and the church in the future, and that is immeasurably more. Right? That we're not called to be constrained, and we're not supposed to live constrained by our current reality. And a lot of people live that way. We're not designed to. God doesn't want us to be constrained by the current scenario and reality that you and I are living today. He wants his people especially to, but he will honor vision in anybody. God created the universe to respond to anyone who has vision. Have you noticed that? Wow. I think God's people, though, should be the most visionary people on planet Earth. If you're with me on that, say yes. God's people should be the most visionary people on planet Earth. Why? Because we serve the God that is more than enough. He is our creator, and when he speaks, it happens. Amen? But we say, well, by faith. Well, by faith is literally seeing the things that are not as though they were in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. That portion of scripture in Romans is talking about Abraham and the promise that I'm seeing those things that are not as though they were. And I'm going to call them out now in my current reality because that is not my future reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm encouraging you. That life is great with vision, life is horrible without vision. Great things can happen with vision that can never happen without vision. You can be stuck right where you're at, live your life in a visionless way, or, or you can elevate yourself with God's help to live a future that he has for you no matter where you're at, and you can boldly declare that before the Lord. Amen? You need to boldly, prophetically declare to your future what God has put in your heart. And God says, I want you to look up and I want you to see and not be stuck only what is in front of you in your current reality, but I want you to look up. I want you to see the land. I want you to look at this, that there is more that I have for you. See, I'm not going to settle here. I'm, I'm not, I'm, we weren't built to stay here, church. Hello? Your family wasn't built to stay where it's at. It's a movement forward. Your leadership wasn't meant to just stay where it's at now. It has to grow, has to progress. We're moving forward, right? I'm not going to settle. We weren't built to stay in the current situation we're in. And uh, because why? That's not our future situation. That God is about ready to do something immeasurably more and already is in our life and in your life today. See, the second thing about this that I love and it speaks to me is that Abram was actually not even a father, he did not even have biological children when God spoke to him. At the point of the conversation, his wife was barren. And if we get just real with this for a moment, there, there wasn't birth control. And they, they, they've been living as husband and wife, and you get the picture. 
nothing was happening, hadn't happened for years, and God comes along and starts talking about offspring, and, and, and they're going to be like dirt in Genesis 13, 16. It's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. You're not even going to be able to count it. And the reality for Abram was, I'm not even a father biologically at that moment. And that's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to see yourself like God sees you. You've got to see yourself today like God sees you. Because when you see yourself like God sees you, you begin to do what God wants you to do. I find too many believers in Christ that they do not see themselves as God their Father sees them. And too many people are locked and settled there. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, working through you. So I want you to know, until you see yourself like God sees you, you're going to stop the process of how God's working through you. So he's not a father. He's not made any plans to fatherhood. But God comes along and calls him the father of many. This is what I love about him. Abram, before he went to Abraham, Abram is that somehow, some way, he pushed through his doubts. He pushed through reality by faith to embrace who God saw him to be. And God sees him as a father. So he's like, okay, by faith, Abram, by faith, Abram. He's a man of faith because that's what God calls him. Here's the reality. Not only did he have natural children born, but today the majority of the religions of the world, we see not just Christians view Abram as our father. He is the father of our faith. He's the father. That's how Abram's known in Christianity, as well as other world religions. He's the father of many. He's the father of multitudes. You've heard this before. And that's what was spoken over to him by God in Genesis 13. And so you put yourself in this and you think, what? Man, think of Abram. I'm not even a biological heir to any children right now. And God says, yeah, I know. But listen, more than that, that's going to come. But I now have made you a father of the nation that you are going into. Oh, what? No, and I, God says, I'm not even stopping there. You're going to be the father of the nations of the earth. See, God, see, whatever you can think or imagine, God takes it higher than that, Ephesians 3 says. Amen? That is a promise of the Lord that's carried to us today. Some of you today say, well, I'm not this, and I'm not that kind of person. And you've continued to say what you're not to the extent where you're not leaving any room to become something that God sees you as being. And before God can do something significant and great in your life and in your future, there has to be a spiritual shift about how you see yourself. So as an example, some would say, well, John, I'm just not a leader. I can't even see myself of a leader. But, but God may see you differently today. God may see you differently in this room that, that, that uh, there, there's some of you in here, God's calling you to be a small group leader. I'm, I'm just saying. Some of you in this room that God's called you to be a generational leader in our ministries. Yeah, I'm just saying that God's been prodding you and talking to you and he, he's just waiting for you to respond to this and he's told you to look up from your current reality and don't get locked there and don't settle, but walk into this spiritual shift in your spirit and start responding to the God who loves you. you got to begin to see yourself as God sees you. Man, this goes on to biblical characters, people in the, in the real life story of, uh, of the biblical dynamic. You have Moses. I can't do this. Gideon. My army is slimmed down this much. Are you kidding me? Yep, you're going to go take them. You're going to go take them. And some people have stood back so long 
when God wants you to step forward and God wants you to stop labeling yourself and begin to just let that thing, whatever it is, come alive in your spirit. Some of you, some of you haven't been speaking up with your family. You haven't led your family, and God's been calling you to do it. Some of you in your workplace, you've let things pass by, and God's been speaking to you to stand up and make a stand. To speak up and say things that, hey, you know, we can say it lovingly, that's for sure, but we need to assert ourselves, and we need to use our influence. I I think many times the body of Christ just does not see themselves as God sees them, So we go hide. We go hide. There's no such thing as being a private Christian. No such thing. There's no such thing as being a private disciple. The thing that in my spirit this week that I'm sure many of you heard as well is the Reproductive Health Act in New York that I want to speak out against this, and I've told you before, My jargon is not political, but long before this got political, God is the creator of life. And I'm telling you something, the body of Christ better wake up and get serious. That they can take a baby's life up to the point that it is born. That ought to be a gut-wrenching in our life as the body of Christ. And it's time for the body of Christ to assert themselves. It's time for the body of Christ. We get so worried. What are people going to do? What are people going to say? Church, it is time. This is immoral and this is unbiblical. And if the body of Christ does not stand for what is right in these days, it will come closer to home than ever before. No wonder why in the Bible there was sackcloth and ashes. Because the body of Christ was burdened because of the immorality in our culture. It's time to assert yourself. Use your influence that God has given to you. What could God do for you? What possibilities might there be for your life that God wants to stir up a vision and something new, that God has something in mind for your future? Stop settling for less than what God has for you. Abram could have stayed in Ur his whole life. He could have stayed there. And so he had vision, though, that came forth. I just want to, can somebody shout vision? Vision. That's a biblical word. That's vision. See, many people think the idea of becoming a Christian is simply for fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell, so I've got fire insurance. I'm good now, right? Well, i got enough insurance on that now. I'm not going to hell. See, but becoming a Christian is not fire insurance. See, I want you to understand this. Becoming a Christian is stewarding God's original intent and purpose for your life now. See, you need to go back to that, and you need to understand that you and I are called on this earth to steward our life in a way that blesses God back to our original intent, to steward over God's original purpose, that he's got a plan, his original purpose, no matter what has happened, I'm going to speak to you today, no matter what you've done or where you have gone, God's purpose is still there waiting for you. Plans can change, but vision remains. Plans change, but vision remains. 
Speak that into your spirit today. Whatever God's equipped you with, whatever God's given to you, it's still there. And God wants you, there's some of you in this room that you've dropped your vision and you've walked away from it and you've walked away from it for so long and you think it's so far away, but God wants you, you've turned aside from it. God wants you to go back and pick up the vision that he originally planned for your life. He wants you to pick it up again. He wants you to pick it up today and go after the call that he's placed upon your life. Whatever God's equipped you to do. Some of you have just said, you know what, I'm just going to kind of get in the back seat And I'm just going to let somebody else drive my life. I'm good back here. I'm fine. I mean, you know, go ahead. Steer it. Do whatever you got. I'm just back here and, you know, cross your arms. Let somebody else drive your life. When God wants you to get back into the seat again and say, hey, come on, I've got an original intent for you that I want you to live. See that? Some of you feel inadequate and incapable and you say, I just got to settle. No, 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 no. I'm coming at that against that thought pattern with the word of the Lord. To, to, to come back and restore the vision that God's put on your heart and walk in a spirit of faith toward all that God has in mind for you. You know, these musicians and singers on the stage were not born with a guitar, keyboard, or drum set in their hand. Though their mom might have felt that on the birth, right? No, they weren't born that way. You know? You didn't greet them as a baby in a new baby section of the hospital with a guitar and a song. They started off with raw material, right? But somewhere along the way, these musicians and singers embraced embraced the idea of becoming in their heart. There's this thought. There's this possibility. And it's hard to see that I could play an instrument. They they awkwardly pick it up. They they pick up the microphone. They start. It's hard to see many times past our current reality. But there's a vision that God has inside of us that he wants to do. But it's raw material, and, and, I, and I want you to understand this today because when I was younger growing up, man, I used to beat my head, oh, God, what am I going to do? What's my future? All that. And, and at that time, everybody goes through that, and that's normal and natural. I just want you to know that, that you don't know, and you're trying to figure it out, but it all starts with raw material. It starts with something, and then God begins to put it together, and he'll show you, and he'll give you wisdom, and he'll give you direction as you keep seeking him and his face and his plans. You'll see them. You'll see them. You won't, be, you won't, you won't see it all, but you'll, you'll begin to see them, and God will show you. And, and as you start growing up and maturing, that what happens so many times in our life is we mature, we get so guarded, and we get so protective, and we shut things down, and we settle, and we don't entertain the possibilities, and it all starts us, with us thinking of ourselves differently and, the, and, and start thinking differently of what God has thought over us. And there, I just want to let you know that today that in this room, that there are some Joshuas in this room. There are some Joshuas in this room. There are some Joshuas in this room. There are some Esthers in this room for such a time as this. There's Esthers in this room. You're sitting in front of me now. There's some Pauls in this room. There's some, there's some Simon Peters in this room that, that God is speaking to you. You are here. You're here. God sees you. I can feel it. I know it. He's calling you now at this moment, at this moment, no matter your age. Well, I'm only 16. I'm only 19. You need to elevate yourself long enough to think about when you get to 30 or 40 and you live your life with vision and anticipate what God wants to do. Jesus looked at a guy named Simon and gave him his assignment, his vision for his future. And, and literally along the way, God, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to change your name. You're from now on, you're going to be called Peter. So we call him Simon Peter because in the past you've been like a reed 
shaken in the wind. You've been moved by everything around you. You've been moved by the current trends. You've been moved by the current fads. There are issues in you that, that you, you're flippant, uh, Peter. You're, you're flipping. You, you fly off the handle easily. Matter of fact, Peter, you should probably take some anger management courses. You know? <laughs> you're really hot-headed. You're, you're emotionally charged. And, and he's like, I begin to see a new day because I see you like that. I see you solid as a rock. I hope this is getting into your spirit today like it is. Him. I see you differently than your current reality, church. I see you differently. I see you differently. I see you differently than what the enemy has tried to bring against you and the lies of the devourer and the curses that he's brought upon. I see you differently in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see you differently. He looked at him and said, no, you're, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter. And see, I can build my cause on that. And Simon Peter got his calling on that day. And are you hearing me? Yes, Jesus saw him differently. History records as a paradigm, whatever you want to call it, spiritually shift, whatever. He saw himself now, not as he had seen himself before, but he embraced the call that God had seen in him all along. And Jesus called him out and became the solid as a rock leader who, who would not stop and not quit and defy the odds in the cause of Christ. There's people in the room who God wants you to see, see, look up and see yourself in a new way so that you can make a difference in our world. The third thing about this scripture I want to bring out is that God told Abraham, go walk around in the land. Go walk around in the land. Can you say the word go? I want you to go walk around in the land. I want you to go out and walk in the length of the land. I want you to go walk in the breadth of the land. It's kind of like kicking the tires in the world of possibility when you go walk around the land. I think that's interesting. Okay, lift up your eyes. You're, you're a father of many. All this land, go out there and you, you begin to see yourself like I see you. And you go out there and you walk in. What's he saying? Go walk around in the land of your future. You haven't really even been there yet, but listen, I'm telling you to look up and understand who you are in my eyes, and I want you to go possess this land. I want you to go step foot in it. I want you to go do this. I want you to start thinking. I want you to start imagining, and I love it like yesterday that we, we uh, those that are, were able to come out to our Clearbrook prayer at the campus there at, at Stonewall the Elementary yesterday that we were supposed to be inside, and we had confirmation we were supposed to be inside, and, and they, they didn't open up the doors, but that's all right because those that were gathered, 20, 25 of us just came, and we just worshiped the Lord, and we prayed and prayed through prayer points, and it was a powerful time together that, listen, what we did yesterday was we just went around and kicked the land, and we went around and walked in the land, and we, we said, Lord, this territory is your territory, and we're going to speak those things that are not as though they were, but we're going to go there first because, God, you put a vision in our heart long before the reality even comes into being, is you got to go walk in the land, church. You gotta go kick the dirt sometimes. You need to get your feet dirty. You need to get out there and go see what God has for you because why? He says, My future for you is a future of possibilities in Jesus' name. You gotta walk the land. You gotta walk the land. I want you to go. That's a command. Go. There, there's, there's no, well, I'm just gonna sit here until I know. He said, Go and quit settling. Do you know the reason why we have to walk around in it? It's because vision has no immediate answers for legitimate questions. 
So vision doesn't know how it's going to become a reality at first. And here's what you have to understand. Lots of visions have died in the place of premature questions. Right? So remember this. If you're going to be a friend of someone who has a vision, you can just really just settle your hearts right now and just listen. If you're going to be a friend of someone who has vision, you've got to know if a wife to a man or a husband to a wife who has vision, you've got to be real careful not to kill the vision in its early stages. We all got to be careful not to kill the vision in the early stages when God is birthing it. Because why? In that moment, there's no real answers when you start hearing the voice of God and calling you to go to the next place. There's, there's no real answers. We'd like to. I'm like you. A, I want to know A to Z right from the beginning. But we never get that. And I want to let you know that that's common. At the beginning, on the outset, that we don't see from the beginning to the end, we're not God. But see, this is what makes it so great that we have a God that we are called to pray to, and he knows A to Z. He is the alpha and the omega, and he is the beginning and the end. And what he started, he can surely finish it in Jesus' name. So it is important for the body of Christ that we pray and we call down heaven because heaven, God is filled with the vision that we need. And we need his vision upon this earth. So God, we look to you dependent upon the vision of our lives. We look to you because we are absolutely dependent. Listen, if all you do is look to yourself for your own vision, that will come to an end. You need to look to the God who's immeasurably more. So we got to be careful. God, thank you for birthing this thing. I don't know how, when, but God, I, I want to live in vision. And so we are a church with vision as we move into a multi-site campus and, and all the things and the multiple streams that it's been uh, prophetically given to us that uh, we didn't have a clue even a year ago. We just felt God just beginning and stirring and continuing to stir and, and birthing this process. And, uh, you know, we don't even know. We don't know all that's going to happen in it. And, and we're praying. I don't know. And uh, somebody say, well, when? I'm not really sure, but that will come. And how are we going to afford it? I don't know. I I don't know at the beginning. We're going to, you know, who's going to lead it? Well, at the beginning, we didn't know. But then we're like, yeah, God put in the right leaders. But that's the nature of vision. You know, years back, I had a mentor in my life, and, and then he came to the church, consulted the church, Dr. Wayne Lee, and he poured into me and poured into me. And I remember one time in conversation, I was sitting across from him at lunch, and he said, John, he said, kind of give me a feel for abundant life and what was taking place and what's happened. Now, this was about four or five years ago then. And so I was like, man, God's been doing such incredible, He's, you know, there's multiplication, there's things that are happening, and there's some things in my own leadership that I feel is stuck. And so I'm coming to you and, and looking to somebody that has a lot more wisdom and guidance and, and to direct me and consult the church. And, and he said, wow, how did this all happen? And I looked at him and said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's what I said. I said, all I know is we have an amazing group of people at Abundant Life Church that I love so much, and God's just done miracles. And I gave him the thanks. He says, you know what? That's not uncommon that you say that because most pastors say the same thing. 
where we want to know the beginning and end. So, so vision requires us at some point to answer the what and the where and the how. Nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about those early stages and too quickly. See, see here's what I want you to know as we bring this thing down here today. And I, and I hope you catch this because this is valuable and this is important. There are vision starters in your life. There are vision stirs. There are vision stallers. And there are vision stoppers in every one of our lives. See, there are people, when you are with them, they are starters. You're with them, they're talking about vision. God's done such an amazing thing through a man or woman of God. And they're just like, man, you just got to get out there. No, you got to just get out there, and you just need to let me push you out into that destiny and that calling that I that God has for you. And they just want to, they just push you. They are starters. Man, when I'm with people like that, my vision just like, oh, I just grow. I'm like, man, that's amazing. They're vision starters. They're vision starters. There are vision stirrers. I hope you get to that. I just, I just want to stir your vision up so much today because God has immeasurably more. I just pray that I can be a stirrer in your life. You're going to have stirrers in your life that are like, man, you need to activate that thing in the name of Jesus now. You need to get out there. I'm just going to stir you up and the vision comes alive. Then there, then there is the other people that are stallers and stoppers and typically you understand that there are always people in our lives that are stallers and stoppers of the vision. Like, oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. You can't do that. I mean, come on. And, and you know, in the world we live in, there are, there are people that are out there, they're in all of our lives that they're stallers and they're stoppers of the vision. They're listening to you. What they do is they take out, they just lop it off. Oh, come on. You can't do that. And listen, what I'm not talking about is, I, I got $1,000 in my bank account, but I'm going to write a $50,000 check. No, that is stupidity. God don't bless stupid. God blesses faith. That is ignorance. You better do what God's called you to do. Right? You got people in your life that are stallers and stoppers. They push back on everything. Why? What? We, we can't do that here. Are you kidding me? In your own business, you got people, there's people in here that you have successful businesses. You've had people tell you, what? You're doing that? Are you kidding? In that market, you got to be crazy. In that economy, you're doing that? What? You're going to sell this? You're going to do, you can't, no way. See, there's always vision stallers and stoppers, but let me tell you with the stallers and stoppers, you need to say, hey, I love you, but I got to stop hanging out with you now. And I need to go talk to the starters and the stirrers now that are going to prod me on to do something greater than I've ever done before. But God's birthing something in me. And let me tell you something. What God's birthed in you is greater than what somebody has said against you. And I, I think that we need to realize this is that sometimes we get pushed back from people. Hear me on this. Hear me. Hear me. God's given a vision to you, and then somebody's in your life who's a staller and a stopper, and they haven't prayed 30 seconds with you into the vision God's given to you, but they're going to push back right now. They haven't. Listen, if you're going to be with somebody with vision, you need to pray with them about the vision that God's put upon their heart. In the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom, the Bible says. I'm not saying that. We all have blinders. But listen, you need people around you. I need people around me that can see it from a different angle. I got blinders too. 
I can't see it all. God hasn't given us all 360 perspective. See, some people only run vision through the filters of the smallness of who they are rather than what God has promised. So I want you to understand that. So hope comes alive. God comes alive, comes near whenever we entertain the possibilities that God is able to do the impossible, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, so I'm just going to get out here in the land, and I'm going to kick the tires of possibility. Kind of like when Jesus was at the wedding where they ran out of wine, and his mom's thinking of possibilities. I mean, she knows Jesus. I know who you are. Nobody else really knows who you are. He hasn't done a miracle to this point in Canaan. Yet inside of that, here is his mother Mary who sees the possibilities and knows the possibilities that are inside of him and calls it out. And says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, go ahead and go do that right now. That he can do something way beyond and immeasurably more than what we can do in this situation. And most of you know the story. The servants go fill it up, fill up the water pots. They brought the water pots back. The first miracle of Jesus happened at the Canaan wedding, the wedding in Canaan. And that may seem trivial, but I love it that Jesus actually engaged in this. Is that, you know, hey, I want you to have a good time. And so many times what I think of, this is John Miller, when I think of Jesus, that I look into a man that is absolutely compassionate for me in this lost world. And I, I see Jesus so many times in my mind's eye as somebody who's smiling and putting his head back in laughter. See, I, I, I just get these pictures of like that with Jesus. So many get Jesus as a stuffy personality. Oh, you know, it's the rules and regulations. No, no, that's, that's not the picture. Not the one I get. Not when I look at scripture. I look at Jesus who's able to do immeasurably more. Point, there is something working in Mary that was pushing the possibility. That what's impossible with us is possible with him. That he can do better, he can do more, and God can turn your situation around today if you just grab a hold of the word of life that it's already begun in you in Jesus' name. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this word of Genesis 13, of Ephesians 3, of immeasurably more. God, I pray that there will be people in this room today that they would lift up and see. They would lift up and see the promised land, the promises, the possibilities, that, Lord, they would pick it up again, Lord. Those that have lost their vision way back, they've dropped it, that they pick it up again. They begin to see themselves as you see them, and that, God, we would go walk in it long before we get there. We would go walk in the possibilities, and that we would pray the possibilities rather than praying the problem. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said,